0: Awesome. Hey, welcome to the second week of Brain Games. So excited to have you here this morning at Church 214. Kip did a wonderful job kicking us off last week with the God Brain. If you missed that, make sure to catch that on our podcast. Uh, It was phenomenal. So I love that illusion that they did in the video opener, right? Where they were taking the Rubik's Cubes and you could only see it from a certain angle. That quote when, when he says, you can look at it from 359 degrees and you won't see it. You have to look at it from that one degree. And that's exactly what we're talking about today. Perspective. What you see or what you don't see, that is your perspective. Perspective is the way that you and I see something. And your your perspective, my perspective, changes depending on the angle or the viewpoint that we're looking at. I've got a couple of examples up here, a couple of slides to show you three or four depends on the angle you're looking at the next one this girl's just hanging out at the pool again our perspectives right this next one i love i hate it when those planes fly into your face perspective and the last one's my favorite the guy's just hanging out in the teacup at the coffee store perspective it all depends on our viewpoint let's pray for just a moment before we get started jesus we're so grateful to be in your house today with your people with your church and this morning we're we're reminded of the blind man that was brought to you and you asked him what do you want me to do for you and he said lord i want to see God, that's us this morning. We are the blind man. On our own, we cannot see the right perspective. But God, we are crying out to you this morning, saying, Lord, we want to see. Change our vision this morning, God. Shift our perspective this morning. That is our prayer. And it's in Jesus' name everyone agreed and said, Amen. I like a responsive crowd if you don't know. So if you're not responding, I'm going to call you out. Your perspective is vital. My perspective is vital. It literally determines how we live our lives. What actions we take. Our perspective determines our steps, determines our next step. But here's the thing. Here's the crucial thing. You and I cannot trust our own eyesight. We simply can't. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13.12, he says, now we see things imperfectly like a puzzling reflection in a mirror. Another version says now we see through a dark glass. We cannot trust our own eyesight. And the right perspective has much more to do with our heart condition than it does our eye condition. See, when God created you and I, He placed eternity in our hearts. Every single human being that ever was created, that ever will be created, God placed eternity this everlasting perspective deep in their hearts Ecclesiastes 3:11. See God gave us this perspective to follow. He planted it deep within you. And at the deepest core of our being God planted that eternity perspective. He's programmed with us with the ability to see the right perspective. The ability to see from that one degree See, that's why when you strip everything else away, it's impossible, impossible for you and I to be content with anything less than a life that's filled with an eternal perspective. With a life that's filled with an everlasting value. And as much as our flesh cries out for that which is here today, which is right in front of us, which is temporary, our hearts bring us back to that one degree. That one degree of vision where we can see from that eternal perspective from the perspective of our Creator God. And this is the battle that rages within us every day. We fight against our own flesh. We fight against our enemy, the devil, that would want us to see from any other perspective. They would want us to see from any other of 359 degrees. Our eyes look at the today, the here, and the now, but our heart pulls us back to that one degree of vision. The grander vision. The higher vision. God's perspective we cannot afford to lose that perspective that he has placed in our hearts see the moment we st- stop looking through that lens of eternity is the moment that we completely lose our vision and we stumble and we fall a couple weeks ago I was internally very frustrated with someone I had some anger building up in my heart towards this person Has anyone ever been there? Anybody been angry before? Okay, if you didn't raise your hand, (laughs) I'll talk to you afterwards. And you know what? In this instance, I had every natural right to be angry. You could even call it a righteous anger. And as this anger was bottling up inside of me, I I did something. I just, I grabbed my Bible. Anybody ever grabbed their Bible, read their Bible when you're angry? It's actually a good thing to do. I was just curious. I flipped open to the Psalms and randomly read Psalm 73. And this is what I read. David is pouring out his soul. He says, I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are healthy and strong. I think he's flipping through Instagram or something. (laughs) They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. And I'm like, yes, David. Yes, that's exactly how I feel right now. Preach it. (laughs) And David continues. He goes, they wear pride like a jeweled necklace and clothe themselves with cruelty. These fat cats have everything their heart could ever wish for. They scoff and speak only evil. In their pride, they seek to crush others. They boast against the very heavens and their words strut throughout the earth. I'm like, good grief, David must know some of the same people I know. (laughs) This is amazing. And he continues, look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. And then he asks God this question. He says, did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Wow. Did I keep my innocence for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. Man, David is just laying it all out there. And then David, who's driving this this 200 mile an hour NASCAR, just crashes into the cement wall and his perspective shifts 180 degrees. He stops using his own eyesight and he starts looking through the lens of his heart. He says, Then I went into your sanctuary, O God, And I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. He says, they're on a slippery path. They're sliding over the cliff edge to destruction. He says, then I realized. He's crashing into this wall. Then I realized that it was my heart that was bitter. That I'm the one that's all torn up inside. That I'm the one that's foolish and ignorant. And he says, God, I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. Bam, knife in the gut, twisting. Here I am, here David is, and we're both judging someone else's heart. And all of a sudden, we realize, because of the power and the presence of God, that the problem is not with their heart. The problem is with my own heart. It's my own heart that's bitter. It's my own heart that's all messed up inside. Ouch. But you know, David doesn't leave it there and neither does God. David says, even though my heart condition is all messed up, even though I screwed up and I failed, he says, yet, yet I still belong to you. Regardless of my own heart issues, I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. You lead me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail. My spirit may grow weak. But God remains the strength of my what? Heart. Because He is mine forever. God placed eternity in your heart. Talk about a perspective shift. And some of you, including me, are trying to fix other people's hearts. Listen to me. That is not your job. You and I are called to do two things. Love Jesus and love people. Period. End of story. Drop the mic. Your love for people will point them to Jesus and then He can rescue and redeem their hearts. He's the one that created their hearts in the first place. Not you. You and I have enough garbage to deal with in our own hearts. See, we need to keep our hearts weed-free and nurtured and watered. We cannot afford to lose that perspective of eternity that God has placed in there. We need to protect them. Okay. Keep that in mind. Set that aside for just a moment. If you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to 1 Kings 17. 1 Kings 17. While you're turning there, either on your phone or your... I see your phone's ringing. It's turning there for you. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been in a drought? Like a real, actual drought? Where there's dry and cracked ground, where <laughs> the earth is not anything close to green, anything growing was destroyed a long, long time ago. Like that kind of drought. See, Elijah knew what a drought meant. First Kings 17, verse 1, Now Elijah told King Ahab, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. See, this was the beginning of a three and a half year drought. Three and a half years. In the very next verse, 1 Kings 17:2 says, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. I love this. Because the physical drought had just begun. He just announced this physical drought to King Ahab, but... The word of the Lord comes to Elijah. There's no drought within Elijah's heart. Listen to me carefully. There can be somebody sitting to the left of you, to the right of you, going through a severe drought in their life, in their heart, but your own heart can be full of the word of the Lord and growing. You are not dependent on the circumstances of others. You are not dependent on the circumstances of what's going on around you. You do not need to be drawn into the drought that others are facing in their own lives. You can speak life into them, but you don't need to be drawn into that. And even in what we think are the worst droughts, the worst times, the driest seasons, listen to me, God is always working. Let me say that again. Even in the driest times... Even in the worst droughts going on around you, God is always working. Check this out. Here's what happens through Elijah in the three and a half years of drought. Just a few things. First, God tells Elijah to go to this brook and has ravens bring him food, which is kind of creepy but very cool at the same time. And he drinks water from the brook until it dries up. Miracle. I mean, unbelievable. Birds bringing you food. That is awesome. Now when the brook dries up, God sends Elijah to this town where he's instructed this widow to feed him. There's this amazing miracle that happens where she sets out these these jars under Elijah's instruction and, and God multiplies her flour and oil. Unbelievable miracle. And then the widow's son dies. Tragedy, right? No, God through Elijah raises the boy from the dead. These are just a few things that happen during one of the worst droughts in this country's history, maybe ever. Jesus even mentions it in Luke. Three and a half years of drought, of famine. But God was working. There was no drought. There was no famine in the life of Elijah. You see, some of the greatest times of refreshing. Some of the greatest miracles will happen when everyone around you is telling you how bad it is. How terrible it is. But here's the question. Whose perspective are you going to choose? Your perspective or his perspective? Whose vantage point are you going to view that from? Remember, you can't trust your own eyesight. You can only see through a dark glass. So flip to 1 Kings 18. Three and a half years later, And God told Elijah to present himself once again to King Ahab. And he says, Elijah, I'm going to send rain on the land. God makes that that promise to Elijah. And you know the story, but I'm going to go through it quickly. The king and Elijah, everybody, is summoned to the top of Mount Carmel for this showdown. Between God and Baal on one side, there's 850 prophets of Baal and Asherah. And on the other side, there's one man, the prophet of the true and living God, Elijah. And Elijah stands in front of all the people and he says, how much longer will you waver between two opinions? How much longer will you waver between two perspectives? If the Lord is God, then follow Him. But if Baal is God, then follow Him. So here's what we're going to do. The God who answers our sacrifice by burning it up with fire from heaven, that's the God we're going to serve. So everybody agrees and the prophets of Baal go first. They build their altar. They dance around. They're chanting. They're cutting themselves. They're doing all this nonsense for hours and nothing happens. And then it's Elijah's turn. And remember what he does. He builds his sacrifice. He builds his altar. And then he digs a large trench around his altar. And he says, fill four large jugs with water and pour it over the offering and the wood. Remember, remember, This is year three and a half of a drought, of a famine. What's the most valuable commodity at this point in time? See, Elijah commits fully. He is all in. He pushes his chips all into the middle of the table. And he has them dump 12 large jugs of water onto his sacrifice. Three and a half years into a drought, three and a half years of famine of death. Think about it. Yes, obviously drenching the sacrifice it, sacrifice makes it harder for it to catch on fire. Ish. <laughs> Not if you're the living and true God, but okay. But the water itself is a sacrifice. Twelve jugs full of water in a dry and parched in weary land. And the people watching this had to think Elijah was crazy. They had certainly suffered immensely in this three and a half years. They had gone thirsty and hungry. They had probably had livestock and crops die. Possibly friends and family die because of lack of water. And here Elijah is and he's pouring water on the sacrifice in front of all the people, but also in front of his God. Ah, what faith what faith it does not get any more real than that pouring out on the sacrifice as a sacrifice that which you've been longing for praying for for three and a half years and elijah prays and of course you know the story immediately god sends fire down from heaven and it consumes everything including the water and the people fall on their face before god in repentance, in submission, in obedience. And all the false prophets are rounded up and they go down the mountain into the valley where the prophets are put to death. The false prophets. And then they're in the valley and Elijah says to King Ahab, hey, go get something to eat and drink. Basically, it's been a long day. Go and get something to eat or drink. Because I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. Interesting. Elijah didn't say he sees a mighty rainstorm coming. He says, I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. Remember, you and I cannot trust our own eyesight. Here's the deal 2 Corinthians 5 7, you know this. Check this out. We walk by what? We walk by what? We walk by faith, not by sight. How do you get faith? Romans 10.17 Faith comes from hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. Don't miss this. Don't check out. See, you can't see what you don't hear. And you can't hear what you're not listening for. You and I walk by faith, not by sight. You cannot trust what your own eyes see. You have to walk by faith. And the only way to get faith is by hearing the voice of God, the Word of God. And you can't hear if you're not listening. Elijah was listening. He hears the sound of the abundance of rain. Not a little rain, the abundance of rain. See, God was about to multiply and bless the very thing that He had poured out as a sacrifice to God. Let me ask you a question. What do you need to pour out? Before God. What's dry in your life that you've been praying for and longing for and maybe you just have a little bit of it left in a jug and you need to take a step of faith and pour it out before God. Elijah says to Ahab, he says, Go get something to eat or drink, for I hear the abundance of rain coming. I hear a mighty rainstorm. And so Elijah, remember they're down in the valley now. Elijah and his servant climb back up Mount Carmel. And you would think he climbs up there to because it was a great place to view the ocean to see the weather coming. You would think that's what he's going to do. But instead of looking towards the ocean for signs of rain... He bows low to the ground with His face between His knees and He prays. See, He's heard the rain coming. Yes, God's told Him. God gave Him that promise, but He prays for it anyway. He's agreeing with God. Do you want a perspective shift in your life? Pray God's Word back to Him. Agree with God. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18 says, always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for those of you who belong to Christ Jesus. If you ever want to know what God's will is for you, there you go. Never stop praying. That doesn't mean you're on your knees beside your bed 24-7 in some sort of weird prayer position. That means you're in an attitude of prayer whatever you're doing that you're listening to what God is trying to communicate to you, and then you're agreeing with Him. So I have a challenge for you and I this week. I believe this challenge could change your perspective. I'm challenging you to start off every day this week by praying the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew 6. And I'm not talking about reciting the words and checking off a box. If you're going to do that, then just skip it. It's not of any value to you. I'm talking about pressing into God by praying what Jesus taught us to pray so that your perspective will be shifted so that you can see from that one degree. Jesus told us to pray like this. Our Father. Stop right there. If that was the entire prayer, it would be enough. Our Father, you and I have a Father, an eternal Father, a Creator, someone who loves you like none other. He loves you so much that He went to a cross for you. He took your punishment upon His shoulders. He died a death that should have been yours all because of love for you, for His creation. Our Father, just start right there and it will be enough. Our Father in heaven. See, your Father rules and reigns from the highest place there is nothing that he does not orchestrate nothing that he cannot redeem or restore or renew in your life our father in heaven hallowed holy is your name there is no other name like his name elohim jehovah jesus he has the most holy name The most sanctified name. The most set apart name. The most powerful name. There is nothing like His name. There is no other name that even comes close to His name. There is no name that even compares. It is the name by which you and I are saved. It is the name by which all of darkness trembles. It is a sweet name. It is a powerful name. There is reverence in His name. There is holiness in His name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. God, Your kingdom Come, not my kingdom, but yours. Your kingdom be established right here, right now. We lay down our tiny, small, minuscule, insignificant kingdoms so that we can be a part of your kingdom. Your will be done. Not my will, but your will. We lay down our pride, we lay down our will, so that His will, your will, will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. See, whatever is happening in earth, we need to be agreeing that it falls or happening in heaven, we need to be agreeing that it falls to earth and is replicated here. That's our prayer. Let heaven fall to earth. Whatever's happening, God, in the heavenly realms, bring it down here. That's what you're praying. That's what you're agreeing. Give us today our daily bread. Sustain us today. Give us rest today. We don't need to spend time or energy wringing our hands and worrying about the future. Provide for us in this moment. Sustain us in this moment. Help us to take the next step. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. See, we've been forgiven so much. As far as the east is from the west, it's immeasurable. So we need to extend that forgiveness to everyone we come in contact with. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. God, lead us beside those still waters of rest where we're with You. We're not tempted by any other thing because You're enough. You provide for us. And we praise You time and time and time again because You rescue us. You redeem us. You lift us out of the pit. You deliver us from our enemy. For Yours is the kingdom, He says it again. His kingdom is unshakable like we sang about earlier. Yours is the power. See, everything was created by Him and for Him. He holds all of creation together. Yours is the glory. Your presence, your weightiness, your substance. It fills the entire earth. We can't go anywhere without running into Him and His glory. How long? Forever. And ever. And ever. And ever. Amen. Let it be so. See, here's the challenge. You pray that every morning this week. When you wake up or when you're driving to work or when you're at work or you're, when well, you're about to go into a stressful meeting or you're in a stressful meeting or you get out of a stressful meeting or you're with your crazy kids, whatever you're facing, you pray that on a great day, on a terrible day, on an okay day. You stop for 30 seconds and pray that with meaning and conviction and you watch your perspective shift to that one degree. It's not about praying certain words. It's not about checking off a box. It's about the meaning behind the words. It's reminding you of that eternity in your heart, that higher perspective. It takes you above the trees so you can see the entire forest. This could change your life, honestly. Who doesn't have five seconds to stop and just say, Our Father? If you can't pray the whole thing, (laughs) Just start with our Father. All right, back to Elijah. So Elijah's on top of Mount Carmel with his servant and he's praying. He's agreeing with God for the promise of rain. 1 Kings 18 43, and he says to his servant, Go and look towards the sea. And the servant goes out and he returns and says to Elijah, I don't see anything, there's nothing there. How many times in your life has God spoken to you and then you go and look at it with your own eyesight and you don't see anything? See, whose perspective are you going to listen to? The eternal creator who's never failed you or someone who can't see very well? You. You need to be very careful also about who you allow to speak into your life. Remember, you can't trust your own eyesight. And I love this. It says, seven times Elijah tells his servant to go back and look. Seven times. It went something like this. Sir, Elijah, I don't see anything. Son, I know what I heard. Go and look again. Elijah, sir, I don't see anything. Son, faithful is He who called me. He will bring it to pass. Go and look Again, Elijah, there's nothing out there. Son, go and look again. I serve a God that creates rivers in the wasteland. Elijah, there's nothing there. Son, go and look again. God promised. The abundance of rain. Not a little rain. The abundance of rain. See, this is for someone here today. You've been trusting in your own perspective. You've been trusting in your spouse's perspective. You've been trusting in the perspective of your family. You've been trusting in the perspective of your friends. You've trusted your own eyesight. And you go to look and there's nothing there, but here's the deal. God has spoken. God has spoken to you and He's speaking to you. Maybe you gave up on a promise that He spoke to you a long time ago. Or maybe you simply need to start listening to what He's saying today. And when you hear Him speak, it's time to say, I know what I heard. I know what He promised. I'm not going to trust my own eyesight. I'm not going to trust someone else's vision. I'm going to walk by faith. And my faith comes from hearing the Word of God and His Word does not return void. And I'm not giving up on this promise. I'm going to look again and I'm going to look again. And if I don't see it, I'm going to look again and again and again and again. I'm not going to stop looking because I believe the rain is coming. Three and a half years of drought. Three and a half years and not a drop of water. And Elijah sees the rain coming, get this, without even looking. He's tuned in to the one degree. He's tuned in to the right perspective. And he's still not looking. He's listening. He's in an attitude of prayer. And finally, the seventh time, Elijah's servant comes back and he says, Elijah, I see a little cloud. It's, it's small. It's the size of a man's fist. But I see something. And Elijah shouts. He says, let's go. Tell Ahab the rain is coming. And all of a sudden, that one little cloud turns the entire sky black and a heavy wind comes and it get, begins to pour down rain. Three and a half years of nothing. Nothing. And it begins to pour down rain. Would you stand with me? Bow your heads if you would. I want to ask you a question. With every head bowed and eyes closed, this is between you and Jesus. What is the status of your heart this morning? Maybe you're here this morning and you've never turned control of your heart over to the one that created your heart. And if that's you, all you need to do is turn to Jesus in this moment and tell him in your own words, right here, right now, from the quiet of your seat, that you are choosing him because he first chose you. And listen, all of heaven will celebrate when you do that. There are other hearts listening to the sound of my voice that are currently in a drought. Your heart is dry. Your heart is dusty and broken and cracked and just longing for a drop of water. You know Jesus, you love Jesus, but your heart feels like the Sahara Desert. There's others of you whose hearts are full. And that's great, but even, listen to me, even green grass needs the rain. No matter what category your heart is in this morning, from the moment you were created, God planted eternity in your heart. He put His perspective deep within you and He wants nothing more than to grow that root system in your heart so that you can see Him better. So whatever category your heart is in, you need the rain from heaven to refresh your heart, to revive you, to grow you. So if you're comfortable with it this morning, just lift your hands to our Father and ask Him to send the rain in your life. See, God made this promise to you in Isaiah 43.19. He says, for I'm about to do something new. See, the Creator never stops creating. He's always doing something new He says, see, I've already begun it. You just don't even see it. He says, I'll make a pathway. I'll make a way for you in the wilderness. I'm going to create rivers in the dry wasteland. Just watch. I'm about to do something new in your life. Father, you told us in the latter days that you would pour out your Spirit on all people. Here we are, Father, your sons, and your daughters asking you to pour out your spirit to rain down on us, Jesus. You're the God who makes a way in the wilderness You're the God who sends a rain in the drought. We are ready, God. We hear it coming. We choose to walk by faith, not by sight. Rain down in our lives, Father. Heaven, rain down on us. Soak this ground. We want to be fertile soil for you, God. Drench our hearts. Do not leave any part of us dry. We are all in. Holy Spirit, fall in us today. Speak to us, God. Move in us, God. Breathe and rain on our hearts let's sing this back to him as a response